day and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you've been inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Hey, uh, put your hand up if you know what I mean when I say suck, squeeze, bang, blow. One, two, three, four. Any ladies? There's a lady. Suck, squeeze, bang, blow. It's a very important um, part of our culture that, you're all, that you all partake of just about every day. Suck, squeeze, bang, blow. It's nothing to do with your health or your fitness or your body shape. And uh, find out what that is because it's really important. And, uh, <laughs> it's, you know what's interesting is, is um, the Chinese... Um, still eat with chopsticks. And uh, even though we've got forks, and forks are like four little chopsticks all in one, and you can scoop up a lot more, they're still eating with the single chopstick, the single chopsticks. And uh, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting how new things are developed, new parts of our culture are developed, yet sometimes we hang on to the old ones. And uh, I don't understand, like people say, you need to learn how to use chopsticks, and I, I go, look, we've got these things called forks now. And uh, you've got to get amongst them. And um, it's like cars, you know, it's like, to me, eating chopsticks is like going to Brisbane on a horse, you know what I mean? <laughs> There's cars now. And, uh, you know, the, I want to talk a little bit about culture today. It's really, it's important and um, a really important piece of our culture is this suck, squeeze, bang, blow that I was telling you about. And a lot of you partook of that part of culture on the way to church this morning. And um, so you'll discover that. I won't tell you what that is. I'll give you some homework. You can figure out what that is. And um, it's interesting, as we, as we embrace the new innovations, we gain new possibilities. As you start, and we also gain challenges that come along with those possibilities. See, if you eat with a fork and not a chopstick, you can scoop up a fair bit more than you can on some chopsticks. So you can eat a lot quicker and you can get a lot more in you. And, and, and we... we, we um, and I go, well, that's good because we can get food out of the way quicker and we can get on with the rest of our lives. And, uh, but then I think of, I think of um, the Chinese culture that they, they eat, well, they eat with um, the chopsticks and there's a lot, you know, there's, 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 things are a lot slower. They enjoy, they probably chew their food a lot better than we do. They don't gulp, you know. And um, I won't tell you a story about what my mum said and my gulping, but um, come and ask me another time. I won't do it. A few of you have heard it, but I won't tell you. See, there's, 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 every time we, we have a new aspect of culture, there is new possibilities that open up and there's new challenges that open up. You know, when we invented vehicles, obviously the new, we, we increased our speed of transport, and we, but we also increased our pollution in the atmosphere. And so there's challenges and rewards that come with every piece of culture. But culture is what we make of the world. It's the name for our relentless, restless human effort to take the world as it's given to us and make something else of it. So we all have a, have a God-given desire to make something out of what we've been given, out of the resources that we've been given, out of the gifts and the talents that we've been given and out of the language that we've been given. It's actually how we make sense of the world. We make sense of the world by making something of the world. We make music. We make omelettes. We make finger paintings. We invent Saturday morning family 
adventures. We garden. You know, when I, when I, I love what we do with culture is we, we reshape the environment based on our creativity, based on what's in us. And I got a picture of our... I love pathways. And uh, when we bought our block, we chopped all the trees down, much to the green area of society's disgust. And, and, um, and then it was so bare, we needed some greenery, so we needed to plant all the trees again. And, um, but I, I really love pathways because I'm a real journey guy. I love the journey. I love, go, I love the mission. I love heading somewhere. So I thought, I'm going to build a pathway. And I got a picture there of a, of a pathway that I built out in our yard. And uh, I, you know, I, we just moved to Noosa a few years earlier and we walked through the tropical rainforests. And what a beautiful thing. And then, so we planted some trees around it. And then a few years later, it transformed into a different picture, which is this one here. And it's and, and, as you, and it's even, this is a few years ago now, and as you walk through the pathways in our garden now, we've transformed the culture of our property. So when you walk, you know, when you walk down, when you walked across the dirt in our place, it was very barren. When you walked across the pathway with a few trees, you could see some, something. But now when you walk through it, it's like walking through a lush jungle. And um, it's, to me, it's inspiring when I walk through our garden now. And, I've, and I feel like, God has given us desires to make something of the resources that have been given to us. He's given all of us resources. Some of, the, some of them are practical. Some of them are things like land. Some of, them, some of them are skills. Like What an amazing song that Jamie just wrote about community. Let's give him a hand. That was magnificent, mate. You know, so, sometimes we look at other people's gifts and resources and we go, Lord, I want their, I want their resources because theirs is cool. And you know, God has got something amazingly wonderful and beautiful for each of us to embrace within ourselves. He's given us an amazing, amazing opportunity to create a culture that will influence society for him and for good. You know, every Monday night, Kristen, my, my family are Italian and we love all things Italian. And a, and a year ago, Kristen bought me a, and a few people bought me a pasta machine. So every Monday night we make the pasta. I got a photo of, the, of some of the pasta that we made and, um, the other day. And uh, we just have a ball and we're creating, we're creating a little... We, we go to Italy every now and then and we really love this food and the space over there. So we're trying to recreate a little bit of Italian culture at our house every Monday night. And um, we just have some fun. We, God says, you can do whatever you want. He's saying, I've given, you, I've given you this whole world and these gifts and talents and I've given you my image, I've given you an imagination to use and enjoy and to bless and to create. And he wants to, he wants to say to us that you are a creative people, that you can do anything that you want and that, that you actually, the atmosphere you create the, is the culture that you live in and it actually provides possibility and opportunity with everything that you do. Meaning and making go together. The culture that we live in is the activity of making meaning. So you can go anywhere in the world, anywhere on this planet, and you can see different cultures very clearly by the way that they've used the resources that they live in. You know, if you go to, if you go to um, Japan, you know, it's got a very different culture than if you go to Sydney. And Sydney's got a very different uh, culture to South Africa. And South Africa's got a very different culture to Tanzania. And Tanzania's got a very different culture to Rome and to London and to, to New York City. And wherever you go, wherever you go on this planet, there is different culture. And it's just people who have 
who have received talents in their heart and have a, have a resource that they live in and that they've created a culture around that and the people have embraced it. And it, some, it's a big cultural thing. When we went from using rivers to transport on highways, a big, there were big shifts in the culture of society. We no longer had to have um, communities built on rivers because we could transport goods to them via vehicles. It was a huge cultural shift in, in our societies. You know, we could build towns in different places. We weren't restricted to building them along rivers. Now, you know, you, you'll notice most of the older communities these days are built on rivers. And um, whereas, whereas now new communities that pop up can pop up absolutely anywhere. They can pop up, you know, now that we've got rail, we can build a mine out in the middle of nowhere, out in Emerald, and we can, we can rail the... Um, the um, minerals to the, to the ports to get them away. You know, culture is a platform and it defines the horizons of the possible and the impossible for each of us. There's been some huge cultural shifts. We went from highways to airlines. We went from airlines to the internet. Each time we establish a new cultural platform, new opportunities present themselves and also new challenges present themselves. I grew up buying records. My first record was Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen. And I and, uh, had the Thriller album by Michael Jackson, which, which um, my mum got angry with us one day and threw it across the room and smashed it. And uh, that's why I love digital music now, because you, it, <laughs> you can't wreck it. And, uh, just, you know, and, 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 for, and then it transitioned to tapes. Remember tapes? Everyone made a mixtape? Made a mixtape for your girlfriend? Yes, you, you know, it, but the problem with tapes was every time you recorded from one tape to another, you would lose quality. And, every, and then, but now we've got digital music. Every time you reproduce it, it stays exactly the same as the original because it's just ones and zeros. There was a time there when all these cultures crossed over. There was, you could, every time they advertised a new album on TV, it was on record, cassette and compact disc. And, that, and then now, you know, now we don't even buy compact discs, do we? We just download it. Hopefully we pay for it. And, uh, you know, when, when, digi- when music became digital, it became easy to reproduce. And because it became easier to reproduce, it was harder to sell. So one-hit wonders didn't make, don't make as much now as they made back in the 80s. You could make one hit and you'd be set for life. You know, I remember a guy by the name of Vanilla Ice? Ice Ice Baby? Thankfully, he only made one. <laughs> See, the, the question is, what are we going to do with the culture that surrounds us? What are we going to do with it? Are we going to embrace it? Are we going to avoid it? Are we going to attack it? Are we going to transform it? Or are we going to create new culture? What are we going to do with the culture that we live in? See, there's three levels of our being. We're spirit, soul, and body. And every aspect of society influences all of those three areas. Every, every environment that we go in, we may think this is a physical environment, but it inspires us in our soul and in our spirit as well. See, some, we can, James can get up here, he can write a song you know, and, and play it in the physical realm, but it stirs up your spirit, doesn't it? See, and, and there's negative cultures that do the same thing. We can step into a negative environment. You can just watch a movie that's, that's full, of, um, full of negative things, a horror movie, for example, and it can, it, can, it can create fear in your spirit. 
See, God says culture is important and whether you realise it or not, it influences your spirit, your soul and your body. And the culture that you accept is the realm of freedom that you live in. Some of us refuse to accept culture. Some of us, anyone refuse to use computers? Anyone refuse to use Facebook? You know, as, you know, but what, what, whatever we choose to refuse or to use changes our ability to operate within the culture that that society is embracing at that time. Now, we've got this other amazing form of culture, and it's right here. It's called the Word of God. And when we read the Word of God and we pray, he gives us revelation of his truth. And revelation of God is a platform of possibility. The revelation of God is a platform of possibility for us to go forward in life. It reminds us of the original culture that God created for us in every area of life. And as I look at the, the, all the origins of society, I understand that I can make better decisions when I understand what God's original intent was for us when I look at the challenges of society today. Let's look at poverty. Jesus says, I have come to preach the gospel to the poor. See, poverty isn't just a matter of lacking financial resources. It's not just a matter of lacking It can simply mean being cut off from the ability to operate and innovate and work. It's the, it's the cultural environment that robs us of our ability to produce. To be poor is to be unable to make something of the world. And the gospel of the kingdom is a platform of possibility. See, when Jesus says, I've come to preach the gospel to the poor, he was saying, if you can embrace my gospel, if you can embrace the culture of heaven, then poverty won't be a problem for you. Because you will see, you'll see opportunity and strategy and you'll see resource where no one else sees resource. You will see an opportunity produce where no one else can see an opportunity to produce. I was created in the image of God. Therefore, I am. The cross gives me permission to try again. If I've made a mistake, therefore I can. The commission gives me a job title. It gives me a job to do. Therefore I will. See, when we understand the gospel of heaven, that we're created in his image, we know that we are. We are in the image of God. When we understand, you know, we go through the bumps of life and we make mistakes like Adam and Eve and we reject God, God's ways, he sent his son to die on the cross. Therefore, we can again. And he gives us this great commission. He says, make disciples of all nations. He says, reconcile all things unto me. Therefore, I will. See, when we understand the culture of heaven, we know who we are. We've got the grace to keep going when we make mistakes. And we've got the job to, keep, to do so we can continue to do it. Let's look at the origins of finance. You know, the Bible has much to say about finance talks about work. Proverbs says, in all hard work there is profit, but simply talking leads to poverty. talks about rest. It says on the seventh day God rested and he created the Sabbath. It talks about too much rest. How long will you sleep, O sluggard? talks about contentment. Better is a little with righteousness than great wealth with injustice. 
talks about prosperity. It says, you shall serve Yahweh your Lord and he will bless your bread and he will bless your water. The Bible's got a lot to say about the origins of finance and prosperity. It talks about working and rest and wisdom in giving and tithing. It talks about the poor, contentment, trust in finances, loving of money, values and ethics. It talks about governments. It talks about blessing and prosperity and debt. It talks about... Um, litigious society and lawsuits and taxes it talks about all these things and it gives us his original purpose and when we embrace the original culture of heaven it gives us a freedom on earth to act right now in the environment that disagrees with its original purpose understanding origins gives us confidence in our beliefs in the face of confusion In Romans 1 verse 20, it says, Since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. The challenges and issues we have today are, are um, a direct reflection of our beliefs about our origins. See, what we believe about creation influences what we believe about our purpose. What we believe about the origins of marriage influence our, our understanding of family. See, as we look at God saying, I am Alpha and Omega, we begin, to say, we begin to understand that he was and he is and he is to come. So we want to understand who he was so we can understand who he is so that we can look forward to who we're becoming. It's important that we understand our origins. We are defenders of our cultural origins. What we believe about creation and eternity affects how we address her with purpose and conviction and motivation in everyday life. The Bible talks about marriage. It's about becoming one. It talks about, the Bible talks a lot about food. It talks a lot about family and about being fruitful. It talks about provision and generosity in finances. It talks about the government shall be upon his shoulders. It talks about education. When you walk, when shall we educate? When you walk, when you eat, when you go to work, when you go to bed, when shall you educate? All these times. He talks about life. He deals with the issues of life. He says, I knew you before you were born. I knew you when you were in your mother's womb. I knew you. When does life begin? The Bible is very clear about when life begins. In Jeremiah 6.16, the prophet says, This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. So we see the attributes clearly as we interact with creation or by making something out of his creation. He wants us to go back and to understand that he is the source of all that is good. I've mentioned this, this, um, the shark skin swimsuit before. Back in about 2006 or seven, they some, um, some swimming experts invented the shark skin swimsuit. And it received a lot of media attention during the um, 2008 Olympics when the spotlight was on Michael Phelps. But if you look under an electron microscope, a shark skin is made up of countless overlapping scales called dermal denticles, or little skin teeth. And these denticles have grooves running down their length in alignment with the water flow. And these grooves disrupt the formation of eddies or turbulent swirls of slower water, making the water pass by faster. So when we study the creation of God, when we study the original 
creative intent of God, we see purposes that make us faster than everyone else. We see purposes. We see, we see opportunities and strategies to create. You know, these suits became illegal because they added an unfair advantage to everyone that wore them. As we understand the intricacies of God, we gain an advantage and a speed that is out of this world. Things that slow everyone else down pass us by. Why? Because we're clothed in his righteousness. When we're clothed in his righteousness, things that slow, slowed us down in the past no longer slow us down. That's why he says, hunger and thirst after my righteousness and you will be filled. See, we're running around the world trying to be filled all the time now. I need to be fulfilled. I'm not feeling fulfilled. This relationship, this food, this job, this community is not fulfilling me. He says, if you hunger and thirst after my righteousness, you will be filled. As we look closer at what God has already done, we gain an awareness of what can be done. What was God's original intent for education, for business, for family? What was, his, what was his intent for marriage and for government? See, sometimes we live unawares of the opportunities, of the abundance that God has produced. And he wants us to embrace our original purpose. See, the opportunities of life are a direct result of how we respond to what God has already done. See, when he was on the cross, he said, it is finished. He's already done it. It's not about what God is doing now. He's already done it. What, are you, what is your response to what he's already done? So we, we, we want God to move. He says, I have already moved. Now it's up to you to get on board with my movement. Creation, his wisdom, his spirit, his son, his redemption, his call, his commission. What is your response to the things that God has already done? See, we're in the process of becoming experts in the identity of God. So we're in a time right now when our, our identities are on the line. We're getting challenged. And as I, as, as I, I find it entertaining, the identities that we embrace. You know, we were driving down to, to, um, to uh, Brisbane yesterday and... Uh, you know, we, we were riding past a, um, a Harley Davidson rider with all the gear and the bandana and the, the skull on his face and the little, looked like a German war helmet, was his helmet. And, and uh, I, I have a chuckle at the identities we embrace. You know, and then I look, at, look in the, I look at the hairstyles that we've had over the years. You know, the flock of seagulls hairstyles from the 80s and the mullets and the, and the, um, the flat tops, you know, and the wedge cuts and the different, the, you know, my dad in the 80s had a perm. And uh, you laugh, but many men had perms. Anyone, any man want to put their hand up who's had a perm? Frank Styles? Not true. <laughs> I don't know. It was, it, it was a bizarre time. But I laugh at the identities. You know, we, we create an identity, don't we, sometimes by, by what we embrace, by the, by the culture that we embrace. You know, whatever it is. You know, I, I swore I would never wear Speedos up until about seven years ago, and now I do. And the, uh, the you know, we've made a... I remember Dwayne, Dwayne Potter, a friend of mine, um, 
You know, we, 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 would, we would laugh about wearing Speedos and then one day he rocked up to my house with two pairs of Speedos and um, we put them on and went for a swim in my pool and if you ever want to see Kristen manifest, that was the day to be there. <laughs> and uh, so we've made a rule that um, before 7am in the morning, it's okay. After 7am, it's not okay. It's definitely not okay to walk down Hastings Street in them. Yeah, our, our identity's on the line and we are hungry and thirsty for an identity, to embrace an identity somewhere. Lord, I want, an ident- I want to know what my identity is and we will look anywhere for it. People are hungry to know who they are. The challenge that God is giving us is that we need to become experts in who he is. And when we become experts in who he is, we begin to understand ourselves in a, lot, in a light, in a new light. See, when we understand who he is, when we're in his presence, like we said last year, he is spirit. The Lord is spirit, and where the spirit is, there is liberty. God's greatness is your greatest discovery. His goodness is the cultural foundation of possibility and impossibility. Jeremiah 27, 5 says this, I have made the earth the man and the beast that are on the ground by my great power and by my outstretched arm. And I have given it to whom it seemed proper to me. God said this just before he gave the, gave the Israelites to Babylon. And uh, sometimes God makes decisions and we don't understand them because he's shaping us. He's trying to teach us his ways. You know, we discovered last week that... that um, Israel needed to rest their land because they neglected the Sabbath. And, and um, so God actually gave their land to, to the Babylonians. Sometimes we question, don't we, the environment and the culture that we're in instead of asking us, God, show me your goodness right now. Show me your face right now. I want to seek your face. I want to seek your goodness. I want to seek your grace, your provision, your redemption, your commission. I want to seek you, Lord, and as I seek you and understand your righteousness, then I, will, then I will be filled. We need to look for new ways to refine our search at finding God's goodness, finding out what God has done. Why? Because as we become thankful for what he has done, we'll begin to see a link between what he has done and where we're headed. See, as we look at, if you look at society's challenges right now outside of God, there's some logical decisions that we probably should make. But if you look at them from the perspective of the origins of creation and the origins of eternal thinking and the origins that he was and he is and he is to come, we have a very different understanding of where we need to head and the decisions that we need to make. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10 says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide an increase, provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. What's the point? What is God providing in our lives that we're not seeing? He is the one who provides seed for the farmer. Then bread to eat. What seed in your life are you not seeing that God has already provided for you? Our issue is not that God isn't moving, 
Sometimes it's, it's the issue is understanding what he has already done. God is at work. Jesus says it. He says, I am at work and my Father is at work. They are always working. They are always establishing the kingdom of heaven on earth. And they're looking for people to partner with them. And the way that they, part, they partner with us is when we embrace the cross, when we're led by his spirit when we understand that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. See, thankfulness is exercise for seeing clearly. My mum said, when I grew up, eat your carrots so you can see in the dark. Thankfulness is spiritual carrots. See, we need to be able to see in the dark sometimes. And when we get thankful about what God has done, we can see through the darkness that's right in front of us right now and see the opportunities and the seeds and the provision and the bread that is there on the other side of it. Exercise that produces spiritual momentum. Momentum is important, isn't it? See, we have a tendency to start with a bang and then over time we fizzle. God doesn't want spiritual fizzlers. He wants righteous, upstanding, consistent people who hold up the shield of faith. See, we don't, we don't fizzle out when things get challenged. We hold up the shield of faith and we declare that it is in Jesus' name, that it is by his grace and it's standing on his promises that we even have the, the luxury of standing where we stand right now. See, the way we do the work of God can sometimes destroy the work of God in us. The way we do the work of God can destroy the work of God in us sometimes. See, if we do the work of God selfishly, then we're not allowing God to work in us and create our character and enlarge us in our distress. When we, we go, Lord, that, that prophetic word didn't work. I'm going to go try to find another one. He's saying, look, I want you to stand. He says, having done all, stand. He didn't say, having done all, go and find something else to do. He says, having done all, stand and keep standing. What can I do today to create a heart open to God so that I can live with sustained spiritual momentum in my life? What can I do today that will enable me to do tomorrow what I cannot do today? See, God's put desires on your heart. He's put desires on your heart to understand, to, to, to create and to do things, to start a business, to start a family, to, to write a song, to learn an instrument, to create a piece of art, to build a machine, to understand what suck, squeeze, bang, blow means. You know, he's put a desire on your heart and he's saying, what can I do today to enable me to do tomorrow what I cannot do today? See, desire is not enough. So the word of God says it is by hard work. It is not by talk only. He says talk, talking only leads to poverty. Hard work leads to success and wealth. God wants you to be people, people of abundance and wealth and possibility. And he's saying, what do you need to do today to enable you to do tomorrow what the desire of your heart is calling you to do? My four least favourite words are, I can't do it. If you want to see Josh go wild, say, I can't do it. Because it, 
it stirs me up and it says that the Bible is not telling the truth when it says in Christ I can do all things. So he's put desires on your heart. So he's saying, don't say, I can't do it. If you put a desire on your heart, there is a way. There is always a way. And he wants to develop it in you. He wants to rise up in you his goodness. And in your distress, it says in Psalm, Psalms, it says, I am going to enlarge you in your distress. And as he enlarges you, your distress appears smaller. He wants to enlarge you. This is why we read his word and pray, because we want to gain a revelation of his will. This is what revelation is. It's the revealed sacred truths which God has communicated to man for his instruction and his direction. We want the revelation of God. See, it will take revelation to give you unreasonable commitment. We need unreasonable commitment to push through the challenges in life push through the contradictions in life. See, our response to the contradictions or the circumstances shapes us into people of either reason or revelation. See, there's many reasons why you should leave, why you should quit, why you should give up, why you should do something else. There's many reasons. But you don't need a reason, you need a revelation. You need the revelation of heaven. You need the revealed sacred truth of God that enables you to have an unreasonable commitment to his ways and to his goodness because circumstance is going to arise. And the only time that we create and shape new culture is because someone had an unreasonable commitment to producing a light bulb, for instance. How many times do things go wrong before you give up and try something else. Ask Thomas Edison. God has given you a different motivation. He's given you his will. My will says, Lord, please take this cup from me. But Lord, I want, you, I want revelation of your will. I want your will to be done because in the end of the day, reason will look after my needs. Revelation will create an inheritance for my children's children. See, if Jesus could have called 10,000 angels, it says, he could have called 12 legions of angels and could have set himself free from that time. And he would have been free and we would have remembered that as a great moment. We would be thinking back and saying, remember when Jesus called on 10,000 angels to come and set him free from the cross? He was free. He could have done that amazing thing. Reason would have said, well, I've got 10,000 angels I could call upon, I'll do it. But he said, no. He says, Lord, your will be done. He says, I've got a revelation of your will that will not only set me free, but it will set generations to come free. See, God wants us to be people of revelation. Revelation is our culture of possibility. Jesus says to Peter, upon this rock I will build my church. Peter, Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Lord. You are the son of the most high God. And he says, upon this revelation, I'll build my church. And he's saying, this revelation, upon this rock, upon the rock of your understanding of who God is, he will build your life. So the more you want to know about your identity, the more you want to know about your direction, is, Lord, give me a revelation of your greatness. 
as we read his word, as we embrace what the word of God says about who he is, we become strong. We understand who we are. We understand that we were created in his image, therefore we are. Then we can understand that in our fallings, we understand that he gave us his son to die on the cross, therefore we can again. And he also gave us a commission and a, and a, and a job of reconciliation, therefore we've got a job to do and we will. He's called us to be a people of revelation. And he's saying upon our revelation of who he is, he will build his church. He will build our lives. See, our challenges tend to isolate us from revelation. They tend to isolate us from what God has said to us and draw us to make reasonably good decisions. Reasonably good decisions that, produce, that, re, that reduce the pain, but they rob us of our mission. See, God isn't finished with us yet. Why doesn't the band jump up? God isn't finished with us yet. He wants us to stay on call while we're in the contradictions of our lives. He wants us to create the culture of heaven on earth. The act of bringing the culture of heaven on earth is simply this. It's called discipleship. We heard Kristen speak about it a few weeks ago. Chris Vallotton says this, he says, we have to be careful not to try to do with the gifts of the Spirit what God meant for us to accomplish through discipleship. He's stirring us up to be followers of his ways. He's given us gifts, he's given us talents, he's given us resources to create. And he said, you need to center, you, you need to center your life around my ways and around my power. So as we look at our great commission of making disciples of nations, we assume new roles, don't we? We assume new roles of being fathers and being mothers in our society and influencing our community. We establish the culture of heaven amongst those that are being saved. This is our commission. And as we look closer at what God has already done, we can understand what he wants us to do right now. And as we allow the values of the kingdom of heaven to embrace and to invade our lives, we will become the culture of heaven on earth. Why don't you stand with me and, and let me pray. See, the church is the embassy of heaven on earth. We are the voice of heaven on earth. And as we declare his goodness, and as we hunger and thirst after his righteousness, we become filled. And when we're filled, we become attractive to those on earth. See, people aren't attracted to our words. They're attracted to the fullness of the Spirit of God within us. So why don't you put your hand on your heart and let me pray with you today. Father, I thank you. I thank you for these ambassadors of heaven. I thank you for these, these culture-creating ambassadors of heaven. I thank you that you have imparted to us wisdom. We thank you for your original purposes, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for creation. We thank you for eternal life. We thank you for the source of marriage and business and finance and government and education. 
and all things, Lord. We thank you that the source of them is in you. So, Lord, we want to embrace the original purposes of heaven, Father, and create a culture of heaven on earth, Father. Impart it to us today. Impart your grace to us today. Lord, we thank you that we were created in your image. Therefore, we are your children. We thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross and redeem us, Lord, from our mistakes, Lord, so we can, Lord, And we thank you, Father, that you've given us a commission. You've given us a mission to do together, Lord. Therefore, we will, in Jesus' name. You know, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, I just want to give you the opportunity right now. If you want to meet Jesus Christ as your Savior today, why don't you just pop your hand up right now? See, he's come that you may have life and that you may have have it abundantly. He sent his son to earth to die on the cross for your and my sins so that when we embrace him, when we embrace his truth, when we accept his forgiveness, we can live that abundant life and we can know what it is to call ourselves a son or a daughter of God. If that's you, why don't you raise your hand now? I just want to give you that opportunity. Father, we just glorify your mighty name and we lift you up. We thank you that it is by your grace, by your truth, by your authority, Father, that we can do all things. Lord, we are people who declare that we can. We are people that declare that we are. And we are people that declare that we will do the will of our Heavenly Father. So we thank you and we praise you. We establish your dominion in our lives as we worship. We establish your truth as the pillar of hope before us, Father. And we set our sights on eternal life with you. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Well, we pray you've been blessed by this message from Noosa Christian Outreach Church. For more information, please check out our website at www.noosacoc.org.au. See you soon.